Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida. Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. David here, and Matthew is on the Zoom call with me. Hi, Matthew. David there, and Matthew here. Yes. Well, well, David, David here, and Matthew there, technically, from, from where I'm sitting anyway. David, I'm not trying to jump right in, but I have a question. Y- you do? Yeah. Jump right in. Let's Let's break the mold with this show. This show is breaking its own fucking mold. Let us do, hit me with it. David, what's that smell? What's that smell? The first 10 minutes of this episode, (laughs) every person comes in and has to say, what's that smell? (laughs) I was like, I was like, okay, comedy's in threes. And then here comes Blair. And I was like, Jesus, what's that? Now, what's that smell? It is the oh. script that is just off camera. <laughs> Good God! And and the Blair one is cut from syndication. By the way, how it do they get her out of the house? We don't even show her coming down to breakfast. She's just she does not exist in that scene. So Natalie leaves. Like Natalie, Natalie leaves, <clears> and, and exit, we go. But they go leave together. Is Natalie's exit cut out as well? No. Well, remember Natalie's off to do. Um, Natalie's working the classified section. So Natalie's working, I don't know what Blair, I don't even know if it says what Blair is off to do, but yeah, Blair coming down to breakfast is cut. It goes straight from Natalie's exit to the arrival of Pippa and Andy. Mm. So they take the comedy rule of threes and put it into the comedy rule of twos. I had forgotten about that joke, to be honest, because I've blocked out so much of this God damn turd of an oh, I I don't know if I have enjoyed watching an episode less. Jesus. Oh, think back to season one, David. What season one was charming with how clueless it was for how green and it it was like a hey we're gonna write a sitcom. Have you ever written a sitcom before? No, but how hard could it be? It was it was almost charming, like watching a toddler repeatedly fall on his face. That is funny. <laughs> I always laugh at that. What TikTok is for, kids? Do you have fast facts? Is there any fast fact? Because I hope there's something interesting about this episode and who wrote it. Well, yeah, there are. Of course, there are. Please, it's me. Have, have we met? I've got shit to talk about here. Uh, But let's talk about the episode to begin with. We're talking about season nine, episode 21, called On the Edge, which had an original air date of March the 12th of 1988. Now, before I get to my facts facts and before we get to the nuts and bolts, I actually have some housekeeping to do. Have I done the housekeeping before I announce the name of the show? Who cares? We're breaking the mold. I'm breaking the mold. Do it. 
So some housekeeping. This is a very belated thank you. Uh, we've banked some shows ahead, so they've actually been in the can longer than you might realize. But I have to say thank you to two dear listeners who sent me little Christmas presents. I want to say thank you to Brian F. and to Mike H. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas right back to you. Happy holidays, and I hope you have a lovely 2023. And the other thing I want to cover is I did get a nice little email from a listener named Michael W. And I'm going to read this verbatim. Hello, David. I moderate the community for Facts of Life on Reddit and was wondering if there was any chance you could get us a quick plug on your show, please. It's been slow going on our subreddit so far, and we're trying to attract more members. Thank you so much. And it is at reddit.com slash r slash Facts of Life TV show is where you can find it. Uh, do you use Reddit at all, Matthew? I, when I Google things, like a Reddit link will come up and I don't know how to use Reddit. I don't understand it. I do use Reddit and go there with some regularity and I don't know how to use it. Yeah, I, I it's, don't... it's a lot. It, it is. It's nice because it is these sub communities can come together like this one here, like Michael W's. But I don't get the whole thing of upvoting and downvoting. Yeah. I guess that's the, the equivalent of likes and dislikes. And so that elevates the post up. And if it gets more views and it's, you know, it's it's like all other social media. It's all kind of a, a contest to see how many eyes you can get on what you put out there. And um, I also do follow a lot of Reddit. I think it's boards is what you call it, a Reddit board, mm -hmm. subreddit or subreddit. Is that what they call it? Anyway, there are many, many of them, folks, that are, uh, how shall I say, not safe for work. Mm. They have a lot of, uh, shall I say, visual accompaniments of maybe parts of people's bodies. Spit it out, Beverly Ann. They're dick pics. Dick pic bonanza. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Go, get out your devices. Get out your little uh, clicky phones. Get out your, your razors and your Nokia flip phones. And uh, click on over to Facts of Life TV show. Subreddit over at reddit.com. Say hi to Michael W. And Michael, I'm happy to give a plug. You are now going to see an avalanche of our twos of listeners who will be joining in. David and I are always happy to plug a Facts of Life fan. Mm -hmm. Many, many offers have been made to plug many of the fans and they have politely refused. Yes, declined, I prefer to say. Refused yeah. makes it sound dirty. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna do some nuts and bolts and then I'll do the facts facts? Sure. Let's do some nuts and bolts. It's actually very easy, simple, and short because the show was written by R.J. Colleary. R stands for Robert, and it looks like he also sometimes goes by just Bob Colleary. He has been an executive story editor for this entire season. This is his second of two episodes, the first being season nine, episode four, Before the Fall. That's the one where Natalie joined the ROTC and met Dennis Haysbert. So Bob Colleary won an Emmy in 1980 for writing an episode of Barney Miller. And he also wrote and produced for Benson, Saved by the Bell, Valerie, Harry and the Hendersons, Step by Step, and Touched by an Angel. 
So this is his last Facts of Life episode, and uh, I think even if the show had been picked up for a 10th season, this should have been his last episode. <laughs> I I think it's very, very appropriate, because, oof, as, as you so eloquently say, so many weeks, Matthew. Yeah. And the episode was directed by John Boab. Of course, dear old John. Dear old John, is it a script? Are there words on the paper? I will direct it. Will you question the writers about things that make sense and don't make sense and contradict the show vibe? Nope, not my job. I'm John Boab. I believe it says director, not show make betterer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now let's do some fact facts. Please. This is our last narrative episode matthew this what do you mean next week is big apple blues one of the backdoor pilots and the week after that is the two-parter of the the beginning of the beginning the beginning of the end which is the backdoor pilot trying to make the sequel series that never happened yeah. so this is our last sort of business as usual these four girls live with these other people and these are things that happen to them in their lives and their careers. <sighs> Talk about going out on a whimper. My God. It's just what happens with sitcoms. I mean, it's just a shame. And I guess maybe when you're in it, you don't know, or maybe, you know, the, the money is, is good. So you're, I just, it, it's amazing to me. Like, People like, oh, the Golden Girls should have gone on. No, B. Arthur was right. Seven years was enough. And you seven know? quality years. That it never really faltered. That's the incredible thing. And it is very rare. Very rare. And I can't think of any off the top of my head when talking about sitcoms. Sitcoms, David. Situation comedies. It is rare to ever hear. You know what? The, the last season was the best one. <laughs> yeah that's uh oof. it's yeah. like they all it's like a it's sitcom trope to stay too long at the fair isn't it yeah if you're lucky you get a the first time like this season had you get one episode that gets some attention at least yeah and at least this one has a little place in history uh, isn't chuckles bites the dust isn't that uh in the final season of the mary tyler moore show i'm gonna look it up right now what Oh, you, you have to verify when I say a fact? No, is because I, I actually just because I want to know. Uh -huh. It sure. is season six, not season seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get to the, the stench yeah. of this of this script <laughs> and the stench of Beverly Ann's cooking, ha ha, uh, we do need to point out that the show does deal with suicide. And it deals with it in an extremely glib, insensitive, surface, and dismissive manner. Can we think of any more Beverly Ann-esque words for me to add? Well, not just suicide, but mental health in general. Ding, ding. Yes. Yeah, we so. also have some references to manic depression. And, and there is an important undercurrent here that is such a 21st century phenomenon of you do know mental health professionals also need to care for their own mental health. Yeah. 
they bear a lot of burden and that's something that they have to be deeply, deeply focused on to make sure that they stay healthy. And that was not even in anyone's mind here. All it was was that, okay, we have uh, an attempted suicide here. How can we exploit it for as much comedy and one-liners as we can? Yeah. So, yeesh. Yeah. And that's that's why I dislike this so much because there there is no rewrite. There is no... Uh, I mean, I swear, honestly, if this was going into reruns nowadays, I'm like the episode with the R word about the special needs boy that they constantly refer to with the R word, that would probably be pulled from the package. I think this one could also come out. We could We could not be making jokes while a mental health professional is having a mental health crisis and standing on the ledge of a fucking building. So Matthew, let's yeah. let's uh, in the words of Peter Griffin, let's just get through this. So give me the TV guide synopsis. Go. All right. Andy wants to get his ears pierced. Hmm. I don't know yes. what else happens. I kind of zoned out. But... Yeah, not much really. And it's just his ear. And it's just, of course, his his left ear, or when you're looking at him, the right ear. Because if you got that other one pierced, you know what that means. Speaking of this, if we'd like to talk about it now, we can. I did a deep dive about and that. I was I, where where I come from. If you got your your right your right ear, meaning when people look at you, it is their left. That is the ear that means you are a fag. Yes, the That's right ear the is ear. the gay ear, but which is why he points to his left ear at the end correct he's heterosexual and dear listeners a little gay history before the internet before phones before apps um we would do things like that to discreetly tell another person that you were a friend of dorothy which is another <laughs> thing from the 50s <laughs> people think that that means a friend of dorothy like the wizard of oz but they're talking about dorothy parker did you know that, David? I did not know that, Matthew. It's a friend of Dorothy. You would carry a Dorothy Parker book. Like if you were walking through um, Central Park, you would carry mm. or sit on a bench and read a Dorothy Parker book. And you might say to someone, friend of Dorothy, and they would go, yes. And then you would go into a bathroom or the bushes. But also popular back in the day were hanky codes. Hanky codes. I remember those. That they existed. I, that wasn't a thing when I was young. I cannot wrap my head around it. Like, I don't remember what underwear I'm wearing right now, David. I could not possibly sit in a bar and wait for a guy to walk by, look at his hanky, color, and which pocket it was in to mm -hmm. know what he was into. And, and that was what it was the, for our straight dear listeners. Um, you would wear, like, Oh God! I okay. Let's just do it. A yellow one, but mm -hmm. it had to be a certain color of yellow, because light yellow meant that you were into dressing like a bird or something, and like golden, gold. What did they call it? Um, gold. Um, something. Goldenrod. Goldenrod was the color, the yellow that you would use. I think. I think anyway. But like, like robin's egg blue 
meant you were into sucking toes, but dark blue meant that you were into fisting, for God's sake. Like, yeah. I'm, yeah I'm, you didn't I'm, want to confuse them. It could it could make for very awkward encounters. But if it was in your left pocket, it meant that you were into getting, and if it was in your right pocket. So anyway, point of the story is Andy got his left ear pierced. Andy ain't no homo. That's the important thing. And they should have said that. Mom, I want to get my ear pierced. No homo. Right. So that was my deep dive into Andy's ear piercing. Thank you and for that. That is good. We, we This is a service we provide here, yeah. uh, folks, as far as gay history is important. And, you know, Gay History Month, it's coming up only five months from now. So it's, it's hashtag never forget. Yeah. Forget what. <laughs> the other plot of this is, and <sighs> Joe is at the community center, and we meet a new counselor that apparently goes there for some type of a group counseling session. And she and this woman, who's kind of a mentor to Joe, this woman's name is Sandy. And there's this girl in the group and she's really, really withdrawn. Her name is Melissa. And they try to bring her out of her shell and uh, they think they succeed, but Sandy is still dubious and thinks, you know what, even though we took her to an amusement park here in town that no one has ever mentioned before in the entire nine years that you've lived here, well, it's right next to the Moroccan restaurant. It's right next to the French restaurant, David. With the string quartet, um, that with one? The string, with yep. the string quartet, yeah. And the, the drive-in theater, both the one they knocked down and the one that still exists somehow. Yeah. And uh, and the mall. And, a lot yeah. going on in Peekskill. Yeah, Peekskill. It's a hustling, bustling cosmopolis, isn't it? So anyway, they take this girl to an amusement park and she suddenly is just full of life vim and verve mm -hmm. and joe was like that's great we brought her out of her shell and fixed it fixed it moving on check that box trip to the trip, trip to Funland, and <laughs> uh, and years of trauma just melt away mm -hmm. that's why people come to disney because they think that's what's gonna happen and it doesn't the thing is, Sandy says she is still dubious of this quick change of heart. She thinks that this could be an example, a display of manic depressive tendencies. And, you know, when you're a counselor for group therapy, so I'm assuming a licensed mental health counselor, if you're suspecting shit like this, you probably need to get this person into some sort of medical care and not be taking them to fucking Disneyland. Funland, but, David. It's fun, called Funland. Funland. Copyright trademark. Exactly. You could have named this amusement park anything, <laughs> RJ, and you went with Funland. Funland, yeah. So the next day... Joe goes to work and we learn there is a woman on the ledge of the building next door. So Joe naturally thinks, oh shit, Sandy was right. Melissa is up on the ledge. I better get up there to help her. And big surprise plot twist before we go to commercial, it is Sandy, her mentor, who is standing on the ledge. 
And then hilarity ensues. Mm -hmm. And the 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 actress is quite wonderful considering what she has to play here. She I I was really actually quite impressed with her. But were you? Yeah, I thought she was good. Did you go to her website? No, I wrote down, I'm sorry, her acting is painful. <gasps> oh, I thought she, considering what she had to, the, the level she had to play and to have to be like, okay, how do I play suicidal sitcom style? Uh, I don't know. But yeah, her name is Alexandra Bori, B-O-R-R-I-E. This is her only facts of life, but she has only 13 credits in a tiny little six-year career. Hmm, so I think more people agreed with me. Oh, no, 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 Matthew. <laughs> she is now a performance specialist. Look up Alexandra Bori at wordpress.com. Remember what you said about Michael Damien on how his resume as presented on IMDb seemed a little on the enhanced side? Yes. Yeah. Oh, dude. Paragraphs and paragraphs about Alexandra Bori, performance specialist. She is an actress slash singer slash dancer slash master acting teacher and writer. Her 45-year career as a professional performer includes 20 years as a Broadway actress slash singer and 10 years as a film and television actor. And, okay, cutting, blah, blah, blah. Formerly a master acting teacher at NYU's Tisch School for the Arts and lecturer in drama at Muhlenberg College. She is now a performance specialist and acting coach to the classical singer. She has directed chamber operas in Boston and created liturgical works for St. James's Church in New York City as actor in residence there. It goes on and on, ending with her currently in the process of writing a series of short-form essays based on the life of her daughter, with whom she is making a documentary film currently titled A Different Daughter. There are people with very scant IMDb entries, and you kind of Google them, and you don't find much, and you're like, okay, likely they got out of the biz, or they do more stage work. Holy shit. Alexandra Bori is, according to this, a force of nature. And I'm pretty sure she wrote this herself. <laughs> I believe, Matthew, you put it that uh, the enhancement and the embellishments of this resume are second only to yours. Exactly. <laughs> okay, she just won me over. All yeah. Right. <laughs> You're like, okay, bitch, you got All moxie. Right. Respect, girl. <laughs> Did you get kind of a Helen Reddy vibe from her? No. Okay, moving on. Part of the episode is Joe trying to talk her off of the ledge and Natalie showing up because Natalie's covering it for the paper. Ha <laughs> ha! And then Blair showing up and Blair thinking that Joe is the one that's going to jump. Oh, what a wacky mix-up! And they finally do get Melissa there. Melissa shows up and through stuff and Joe taking her time and being patient, Joe does finally get her to come off the ledge. And all is well, including Beverly Ann letting Andy get his ear pierced. And I'm just thinking to myself, so what kind of a career does she have now as a mental health professional after this very, very public incident? What do you, what do you mean? 
How do you bounce back from this? Her or Joe? Her. Okay. Yeah. At one point, a cop shows up and Joe was like, oh, thank God you're here. Do you have somebody who specializes in talking to people in situations like this? And the cop says, yes, we do. Her. Okay. And forgive me, because Joe does say, you made me want to go back to school to become a professional social worker. Yeah. Is it me? Eh, hi. I'm the problem. It's me. Um, and it could be me. I, I could be. It probably is. In my but, head. but were we not led to believe that that that's what she ended up deciding on? And were we led to believe that or was it kind of I just don't remember like when like she's graduated college now. Right. Yeah. We, we were never told what joe's degree was actually in and i'm sure if we were somebody in the comments will let us know (laughs) no that i've been paying attention to because the the things that we had going on were remember she went out to la because it was she was going to help with writing educational software for kids so She earlier had said something about working with kids. And then we had this educational software thing. And then Casey and the the center happened. And so suddenly it's Casey saying to her a couple of weeks ago, Joe, if you're going to be a professional social worker, you need to be able to do A, B, C, D, E. And, And I'm with you. I'm like, okay, Langley College. We have already said how many times it is supposed to be on par with Wellesley and Brown, I believe. So it's just like, she's... she's... And maybe maybe you have to go, like, maybe she got her bachelor's or something, and, like, Blair is now in law school. She's going to go back to school to become, like, do you have to be a master's to get, or, or graduate school or something to become a social worker? I, I don't think you have to have a master's. I think you probably have to have a master's to do what Casey does, like to run a place, to be more of a director in those situations. But it, it is still very weird. I don't gather that Langley is a place you would go for a degree in social work because it's kind of considered one of those... <sighs> Langley is where you would go to become a psychiatrist, I think. Well, you would or a psychologist, do... not a social worker. Yeah, you'd go there for pre-med. You'd go there for pre-law. You'd go there for probably some type of, uh, you know, biochemistry or something. Like I said, uh-huh. it's supposed to be kind of one level below your Ivy League schools. It, social workers are known to be the heroes of the helpers out there because they do have to go to school for what they do. They have to incur all of the educational debt for jobs that are usually not very well paying at all. So to do that, to get a degree in social work at a high up there university, you can also get a degree in social work from the local community college. And I'm not sure that impedes you. Now, if Joe had said, I want to be top of the ranks, I want to start programs, I want to become a you know, a political activist on behalf of mental health and for the the little guy who needs help from the system, 
going to Langley would make sense. And, and then don't forget, in just a few weeks, we're going to have the added confusion of, we learn that later, Joe becomes a fucking cop! <clears throat> it's like, didn't, didn't have to go to Langley at all for that girl. You could have just gone to the police academy. <laughs> Jesus, fuck! Uh... <laughs> it comes. And I, I, I do want to make sure the audience is aware before they roast me in the comments. Mm-hmm. For not know, for not knowing what it takes to become a social worker, I'm I'm an actor who never went to college. Uh, yeah, so I don't understand how college works. <laughs> yeah, barely made it through high school. So yeah, no, no, but you're right that back to the sort of bare bones of what you were saying before I went off on my tangent is that yeah, the girls each went to college for four years, so that gets you a bachelor's degree. Oh. God. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, an, an, a, so, a two-year degree is an associate's. A four-year degree is a bachelor's. And then from that, you go on to uh, a master's program. And then after you get your master's is when you go for your doctorate. So you have your, you know, master's, you have to write a thesis, doctorate, you have to do a dissertation. Fuck that. And is there so while we're on the subject, I might as well ask. They ask her to go to they ask Melissa to go to the Funland, and then they ask um Sandy, do social workers do that? Like I feel like that's a that like, is kind of overstepping your bounds. Yeah. A therapist needs to maintain a professional distance. Okay, I thought so too. From one or another. And uh, yeah, it would not be appropriate to go out on a social thing. In fact, uh, my most recent therapist, the uh, intake paperwork that I did, just the basics of, you know, here I am, here's who I am, here's how I pay you and all that. One of the things is a statement of agreement that if we should ever run into each other in public, yeah, she will not acknowledge me yeah, unless I acknowledge her. And at that point, it is recommended that we just keep things very even keel, distant. Hello, I'm acknowledging you and all that. She's not going to be like, oh, David. Hey, David. Yeah. He's the one that's got yeah. the daddy issues. Yeah. That, keeping it even keel. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <sighs> it brings me such joy. <laughs> the fact that you made so much fun of how much Flora she puts in her language. Mm. Oh, I've never met anymore, but he's self-aware. Oh, uh, anyway, and I've met myself, David. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, I've I've synopsized the episode and uh, gone through it. We uh, <clears throat> just got. We, I have a couple things, and this doesn't please, happen. Please give us a couple things because I I want to. I want to stop right now. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Um, the whole scene where they talk about Beverly Ann's tattoo. Oh, the tattoo scene. Was that cut from syndication? It was. That was painful. It was indeed very painful. Syndication cuts were all little nips and tucks. Okay. And I think the biggest effect that any of it had was that it removed Blair from that threefer of comedy to make it a twofer. But 
the whole joke was around the fact that they can't say but and then Beverly Ann finally says it at the end so I thought okay great button for that but it just like 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 just watching Natalie a grown woman who's we know has had sex Mm -hmm. can't can't say she has to go you're 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 front way round you're and not even funny funny synonyms for butt like you know like your other cheeks you know or something like, yeah yeah you're you're gluteus maximus yeah yeah if anybody so could it's... dance their way around that it would be beverly ann but but no for natalie to dance their way around it and then at the end when they've all been trying to be so classy for beverly ann to end it with now she's walking around with gunther on her butt yeah. boom <clears throat> She's yeah. the one who said it. Finally, I wrote down finally the word "but" for God's sake. Yeah, but I did have a problem with the 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 um the the comparison that Natalie was making. The fact that she is saying to Beverly Ann, "I spied a tattoo on your ass." Yeah, and here you are telling Andy he can't pierce his ear. That's too very different things <laughs> it i i would agree continue elaborate. he does he doesn't want a tattoo he wants his ear pierced yeah and you can stop wearing an earring and it'll stop. grow back together Grows and together. if it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> yeah it's, it's not like he's getting a what do they call them what do they get what do they call those them? stretchers oh yeah. He's not getting a stretcher. And am I looking at it through 2022 eyes and not 1988 eyes, David? Is that the problemo? It, it was still a little bit um, rock and roll to have a pierced ear. I was too young to even think about it. But um, I pierced ugh. my ear before, right before I moved to Florida. At Claire's. At Claire's, no. No, my sister did it for me. My sister uh, was doing it at the time. Did but, it hurt? Uh, no, no. It felt like a little pinch. It was nothing. I really should do it. I'm a drag queen with non-pierced ears, David. But that's what clip-ons are for. Yeah, but I mean, and you're anyway. Shut up, Matthew. But yeah, so I, I've never had it pierced. I'm a scared. I don't want it to do. <laughs> And if I were allowed to have a tattoo when I was 14, David, I would have a tattoo of Alf somewhere on my body. <laughs> and I would have had Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Well, that's way my, cooler than fucking Alf. On my posterior. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. Two very different things. But, yeah, it was a little bit more of a big deal in 1988 to, for a dude to get his ear pierced. Don't parents even to this day, though, don't they still get kind of freaked out about, ooh, they're going to be poking a hole in my baby? Isn't that more of a helicopter parent fear more than anything else nowadays? Honestly, I don't I don't know. You, you don't have any children? I don't have children. I'm unable to have children, David. My ovaries are diseased. <laughs> but, um, which is a shame to not be able to bear children with such childbearing hips. <laughs> Um, so, okay. Uh, Anything else on the earring situation? No. no. Earring versus tattoo. 
Oh, my goodness. Um, what else? Let's talk about some of the other actors and just give them at least a shout out that they were in this turd. Um, the character of Melissa, the withdrawn manic depressive girl, is played by Suzanne Krull, K-R-U-L-L. This is her first credit, but she would go on to have 57 credits in a 26-year career, many movies and TV roles, high-profile stuff. Her most recent credit was 2014. So I don't know if she was taking a little hiatus or what that's about, but um, she was fine for her first her first gig to have to play this. Uh, I mean, God bless you, girl. You you went in for it full force. <laughs> I do love it when they finally get a hold of her to come up and talk to Sandy and see if she can talk Sandy off the ledge under false pretense. It's like, no, Melissa, we brought you here because we don't want Sandy to jump. And she says, go ahead, jump if you want to or don't. Life sucks anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, shit. Yeah. True. Now, David, I feel like I should tell you. And I feel like, oh, this is almost like a weird conversation with my dad or something. Um, the term manic depressive is actually considered insensitive. Is it really? Because I looked up that term. Is it bipolar um, disorder now? Bipolar <laughs> disorder. Oh, good. I didn't know it. I just chose not to use it. To be since, since 1980. Oh, so this show is being insensitive. It was the first time. Not, 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 mis, not insensitive, I think. I think. It, bipolar disorder was first used in the in 1980 yeah. to re, to replace manic depressive which would give people the idea that you were a maniac yeah manic depressive was still used but yeah. it was one of those where it was like we're mm, every time somebody would use it 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 and since mental health wasn't really talked about back then yeah. it took longer for that term to kind of disappear Okay, this is, sure. this is what I read about bipolar disorder, and I'm trying to explain it in cliff notes. But yeah, it it took longer because we didn't have the internet to 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 say we don't use bipolar anymore. We didn't have, um, and since it wasn't talked about on the news, and anyway, anyway, oh my God, shut there up, are also, Matthew. No, 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 do don't shut up, Matthew. <laughs> the thing to remember is that there are old school people like Carrie Fisher. Am I right that all over? Everything that she put out, she talks about her manic depression, that she's, I'm yeah. in a manic phase now, and yeah. all that stuff. But I think she does also use the term bipolar disorder, but uh, it's good to know. I was surprised when I realized that multiple personality disorder, that's not a term that is used anymore. Do you know what they call mm. that now? No. It's called DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. Yes. Yep, I did know that as soon as you said it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that's the the Sybil thing. That's the the three faces of Eve. Yeah. Um, thing that's actually called DID now. So. Also, just to let people like bipolar disorder. Also, when it first came out, was kind of an umbrella that manic depressive would go into and go oh. under. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Kind of like the way we we have the the this you know now we say on the spectrum, but before it was yeah autism and then under that we had asperger's and yeah but then again again that was just when bipolar disorder was first um coined in 1980 sure. okay well good to know and they do attempt at least to try to give it some sort of grounding in something logical because when the initial of sandy what the fuck are you doing out here 
what had happened was we learned that Melissa, whom they had just the night before, said they suspected there might be some bipolar disorder going on. She, uh, they learned that she didn't show up for school and that her stepmother said she took all her food and clothes and left. So the assumption is we have another runaway. We thought we were getting through and she's gone. She's run off. And Sandy does say, this isn't just about Melissa Joe. This is about 10 years worth of Melissa's. They run away from home and we find them dead if we find them at all. I just can't take losing another one. I just can't take it. And then later it gets even darker where she talks about a boy who said all he wanted to do was fly and thought that uh, she might be steering him in the direction of becoming a pilot. And then she says something about him finding his dad's handgun and uh, and unfortunately taking his life. And it's just she is she is clearly the mental health professional whose mental health has been cast aside and marginalized. And, and in the same way, mental health is only recently becoming something that we discuss as a society. That is still kind of the next thing that we really need to tackle pretty hard is to make sure that our mental health professionals are healthy themselves to keep the rest of us healthy. So a couple more cast things I do want to point out before we go is that uh, we talked about Suzanne Crow. We, of course, talked about the fabulous Alexandra Bory. Uh, the only other guest star of mention here is this character named Annie. She is the young African-American girl at the group. And then she does have the line later where she's the one that says, Melissa didn't show up to school. So we assume that these two girls are high school age. This actress is Sonia Winton. And now she has only two acting credits. It's like, oh, okay. But then you see she went on to write. And she has written a lot of stuff. Most recently, in 2020, she wrote for Lovecraft Country on HBO and also was one of the producers there, for which she was nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award and a Writers Guild Award. So good for you, Sonia Winton. So Sonia, Sonia, I'm not sure how she pronounces it, but at a girl moving on and becoming a producer and a writer for such a high-profile high series. And um, yeah, the cop, uh, he's he was there. He showed up. He showed up. The old guy. The mean old lady. That's the other one. Okay, I'm scrolling back and forth through my notes here and I'm getting lost. Of course, we cannot, cannot ignore Jane Dulo as Mrs. Beats. <sighs> Good God. 79 credits in a 41-year career, pretty much everything is a one-off. And she was literally on every sitcom in the 1970s. And one of the few things I can see where she did multiples was eight episodes of Gimme a Break, where she played Grandma Kaniski. And then other than that, uh, 14 episodes on McHale's Navy as Nurse Molly Turner. And um, and she was in a Golden Girls episode, Matthew. Yeah. Journey to the Center of Attention. That was yeah. season seven. What was that about? Do you remember? That was the episode where um, Blanche takes Dorothy to the Rusty Anchor. Oh, that, yes, that one. Absolutely. David. Matthew. Would you watch a series where Joe is working at a 
at a place like this surrounded by wacky people and other social workers? Absolutely not. I might watch it, but not with this cast. Uh, no, no, not these supporting players. They were not compelling at all. And we already talked about the, the thing that was going to be the great series, the great backdoor pilot that never was, would have been that show, different cast, but with Joe and Rick having to live upstairs and share an apartment with Blair as their boss. Yeah, Joe. I'm sorry, Joe and Rick having to share an apartment with Charlie, who also runs the nightclub next door with the jazz music. Charlie's place. Yep. Charlie's place, and and Blair would be the boss, and Blair would of course have bought the bar as well. Yeah, that's the sitcom. That's the yeah. spinoff. That's there it the is. Spin-off. That's the, the the best backdoor pilot they never made, man. Oof. I'm telling you. Okay, can we stop, please? My last thing about this episode is Daylight. Just and and not that you ever want to get one that's way too deep or you know way too dark or melodramatic, but just having been through um, what I called manic depressive, um, what I call chronic depressive with manic um, phases in it, but it just had so many missed opportunities. And I realized it was 1988. We should be grateful, kind of like the Golden Girls AIDS episode. Is it perfect by 2022 standards? God, no. no. But it was important for the time. So I guess I'm trying to find the positive in this episode and saying that good for them for actually discussing it. Good for yes. them for putting it out there, even though it put they put a clown suit on it and big a rubber nose, They people talked about it. Yeah. So good job, you facts of life. Okay. <laughs> well, next week, guys, we are on to our last. I technically it's the last two backdoor pilots because the final one is a two-parter. Mm-hmm. So this is uh the penultimate pilot, Big Apple Blues, season nine, episode 22. It's kind of a big deal because we got a lot of stars, future stars in this. And we would be remiss if we did not have a special, special guest for it. So Ken Reed will be joining us once again. And sadly, probably for the last time. (laughs) So you may watch this episode for free at dailymotion.com. I will place a link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage and it is over. Hallelujah. We can stop now. That is all for this week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the, this is a turd of a podcast. I'm, I'm admitting it. This is a turd of a show about a turd of a show. And let's just be glad and rejoice that it's over. Say thank you to you all for listening. And remember. The facts of life are all about. What's that smell? Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week 
for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs> <laughs>